The next hour will inform you on how cybersecurity is one of the most significant threats to our national security, as well as the battle that cybersecurity experts are undergoing every day on your behalf to protect you, your families, and your data. Welcome to Task Force 7 Radio with your host, the president and CEO of Task Force 7 Radio and Task Force 7 Technologies, George Reedus. Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode number 174 of Task Force 7 Radio, the voice of cybersecurity. I'm Andy Bonello, pinch hitting for George Reedus. I want to emphasize that all opinions expressed in this show are my own, without that of my president or past employers. I'll never disclose any sensitive intelligence that I've been privileged to as a result of my current employment, and I'll never knowingly disclose any classified information related to any security clearances I presently hold or have held in the past with the United States government. And nothing I say during this show should be construed as legal or financial advice. Before we get started, I want to remind everyone that you can go online at the Cybersecurity Hub and get a recap of tonight's show, get other up-to-date cybersecurity breaking news at the very cool website, www.cshub.com. The Cybersecurity Hub is an online news source for global cybersecurity professionals and business leaders who leverage technology and services to secure their networks. The media professionals at the Cybersecurity Hub are dedicated to providing the latest industry news, thought leadership, and analysis in the cybersecurity space. So again, to check out a recap of tonight's show and get other up-to-date cybersecurity breaking news, go to the Cybersecurity Hub at cshub.com. That's the Cybersecurity Hub at cshub.com. Last week, we had my good friend and retired cyber investigator Dave Ostertag on the show on episode number 173 of TS7 Radio to provide his perspective on the beginning of the data breach investigations era. Dave described when the first payment data compromise happened and how that set the stage for future data breach investigations, fraud analytics, standards, and investigatory tactics. He also highlighted how things don't change and how we can predict future attacks based on the past, especially in the national security arena. We wrapped up the show with a call to action from Dave for those fighting the good cyber fight to share what they know with each other. All this and much, much more in episode 173 of Task Force 7 Radio. If you missed last week's episode, folks, don't sweat it. We're on at least 11 different playback mediums. You can find us everywhere. That's the beginning of an error, data breach investigations on last week's episode. That's episode number 173 of Task Force 7 Radio. Well, folks, we got another great guest for you tonight. I'm excited to bring this next guest on. I work with this person during my time at Verizon Communications, and I'm finally excited to get her on the show. We've got the Vice President of Government and Public Affairs at Cox Communications, Neka Chiazor, on the show tonight, folks. As Vice President of Public and Government Affairs at Cox Communications, Neka oversees internal and external affairs in Virginia and North Carolina, leads a team of entrusted with enhancing company revenues, customer satisfaction, economic development, diversity, equity, and inclusion, community goodwill, and positive relations with more than 2,100 employees. NECA is passionate about creating a culture of belonging that drives innovation and fuels growth. Her career has spanned over 20 years in operations and corporate leadership roles in the communications industry, including 10 plus years at Verizon, where she progressed to vice president public policy and worked on several innovations, including Fios. As a community leader, NECA engages a multitude of nonprofits and professional organizations around the globe. She serves as the vice chair of the Hampton Roads Chamber of Commerce and is a commissioner on the Virginia Beach Economic Development Authority. NECA was recognized among Washingtonian Magazine's Outstanding Women in Washington and by, by, and by Urban One's Engaging Black America. She was recently recognized as a DEI champion by National Diversity Council. An alum of Harvard Business School, NECA lives in Virginia Beach with her husband and two daughters and is host to her to her own community television show, In Good Company. 
It's my pleasure to introduce Vice President, Government and Public Affairs at Cox Communications, my dear friend, Neka Chiazor. Neka, welcome to Task Force 7 Radio. Thank you, Andy Bonilo, Andy B. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> finally, up? I made it to the list. Like, finally. finally Come on, don't, don't pretend like you haven't been dodging me. Don't give me that. I haven't been dodging you. You don't even have the security <laughs> in place. Right? How you been? Like, 12 secret agents to get on the show. So I'm really, <laughs> I, I feel real privileged to be here. <laughs> it's tough. Well, listen, like I'm pretty, I'm psyched to have you. I mean, we worked together a long time. It's been, you've been crushing it out there. And listen, we got women's, you know, women's history month. Like we're talking about hearing about a ton of great women out there this month. And I, I had to bring you on. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I, I feel really blessed to be on with you today. So thank you, Andy. Awesome. You know, so we listen, love you. I know, man. I'm so pumped. All right, cool. So check it out, Neka. You you are so passionate about empowering women who are experiencing what you term to be hope outages. Fill us in. What is a hope outage? Right. Thank you. So I'm I'm sure for you know for those of you uh, those that listen to Andy and follow TF7, you all are very familiar with what a network outage is or a service outage. But what we don't often talk about, and what I like to talk about, is a hope outage. And hope outage, Andy, is really when a woman feels disconnected uh, in the workplace because she no longer believes she can achieve her professional aspirations. And we see this popping up, especially at this time, because of COVID-19, right? I've been speaking to women um, across North America, women in the United States, women in Canada, and trying to encourage them to ensure that their light doesn't go out, right? Just because... um, Times are hard. They're tough times. It doesn't mean you can't be tough through them. Right. And so that's, in a nutshell, what a hope outage is, right? Just think about when you experience a service outage, you, you can't do anything. These women, uh, and I've been there myself, at times you get to a place in your life or a space in your life where you don't have any hope that anything positive can happen for you in the professional context. So I, I know you, you apply for yourself a three-part solution, and you know, you've, we've talked about that previously, but like, can you fill the audience in on what, what that is? Sure. So you know, the three parts, like any other outage, right? You want to do a root cause analysis. And the three-part root cause uh, solution that I look at is, one, drop the superwoman cake. Right? I often find for myself and so many women that I speak to that when you're in that position of feeling an outage of hope in your professional life, oftentimes you think it's because you think you need to do everything by yourself. Right? So we women, we like to take it on. Oh, I should be able to get my hair done, fix my nails, take care of my screaming child behind a Zoom background and offer feedback uh, to my team at the same time. No one does that, right? And so the first thing I encourage women to do is drop the superwoman cake. You can't do it all. You shouldn't do it all, right? Seek out others for support if you're feeling a hope outage. The second uh, thing I talk, I talk to women about, and the men who love them, by the way, is have a North Star and follow it. What often happens to us women is we at times go with what the trend of the day is. Right. So if lean in is the book, we all try and lean in. If it's lean out, you lean out. That's not going to work if you want to get out of a hope outage. To get out of a hope outage, you need to sit down and settle down with yourself, as I've done many times, and figure out your why. Right. Why are you here? 
what is your purpose? What makes you want to jump out of bed in the morning? And once you crystallize what that why is and set it up to be your North Star, keep following it no matter what comes your way. And then third, compete and collaborate. Andy, I'm really passionate about this third one. Let me tell you why, because I think you have daughters like me. I have daughters too, right? And growing up as girl, I, I, let me speak for myself. Growing up um, as a girl, I was often encouraged to collaborate. Oh, Neka, you need to work with your brothers on so-and-so. Or in class, oh, you need to partner with so-and-so, right? Those habits, those, those talks that we receive as women carry through life. And so oftentimes, we're set up to collaborate, but we're not necessarily set up to compete. And one of the things I share with women is to get out of a hope outage, you've got to know how to collaborate but you also have to know how to compete, right? Compete to win. And so that's the third aspect uh, of the talk that I give women is, one, drop that superwoman cape, right? You shouldn't do it all by yourself, and this is where the collaboration comes in. Two, have a North Star. Center yourself on what matters to you and what your values are. Three, also know when to collaborate and when to compete. Man, that last one is super powerful because I, you know, I've got three daughters, right? And, and, mm-hmm. and, and man, and, and, and not just with, with, with my daughters, but just like just younger kids in general today, right? It's like everyone gets a trophy. Yeah. Everyone gets a ribbon, right? <laughs> yeah. So, you know, right. so on one hand, we're telling them like, hey, just do your best and, com- you know, and get out there. Even though you're competing, you know, everyone's still going to, you're going to compete, but you're not going to actually look to win. And man, right. that, I mean, it, and, it, and to tell kids and especially young women today, like it's okay to want to win, right? Yeah. That's, that's, I love that message because that's, that's, it's, it seems counter to what they learn in school today. Yeah. Uh, counter to what's going on on the playground, but that's not real life. <laughs> it's not real life. It's counter to what's going on in the playground, and let's take it a step further, counter to what you're seeing on television. So think about, you know, when I speak to my kids, I keep telling them, please don't be the Disney generation. They're like, Mommy, what do you mean? And I mean, think about the Disney characters that we know and love, right? The average Disney character, let's pick anyone. You can sing, you can dance, you can act, you're a supermodel, you look flawless. You can do it all. That's, the, that's where the superwoman syndrome starts. And oh, by the way, you never fail. You always win. So that's the second piece. And then the third piece is we don't really show folks, we don't really show our girls, our women in particular, well, how do you compete, especially amongst each other? How do we women start to compete amongst each other in a way that's healthy, that's not viewed as, oh, I don't want to do that because that can be perceived as catty or I don't want to be that lady in the, in the workplace. No, how do you actually compete the way our male counterparts compete and win and be okay with it? That's what I'm, so, I'm preparing the women in my yeah. life for, and I'm glad you're preparing your girls as well. I, I mean, I, listen, I, lo- I love it. I wish my girls were li- recording with us in the studio right now. I want to make them listen to the show for sure. So check it out, right? I feel sometimes, and I would love it, the feedback I get from women in the workplace sometimes is that they feel like it's harder to, to interact with other women. They sometimes mm-hmm. they feel like it's easier to so interact with men. Like, what's your perception? What's your experience around that? And like, what what advice would you give folks to you know women to want to find ways to continue to work with each other to collaborate so that 
even though they're competing, right? Women are still winning. Well, I love, I love that question. And you know what I've experienced, Andy, and what I've observed as well is it's our hidden bias at times um, as a society, right? So I want you to think about this. Oftentimes when there are seminars about leadership and women, the title is Women in Leadership. But when men are giving those seminars, no one calls the program Men in Leadership, right? We are primed in society to think of males in leadership positions. We're not primed to think of women that way. And so as a result of that, we as women, some of us have our own hidden bias against um, leadership from other women. This is a known scientific fact. And so what I encourage women to do and I try to do myself is view that other woman, right, as I would any other leader. Look for those qualities and attributes that I can bond with, try and find common ground, knowing fully well that we might agree, we might disagree, just as we do anybody else. I think the comfort level that we all have regarding working with men in the workplace is because that standard had already been set, right? The workplace was designed with men in mind. And so for us women to be able to overcome that, again, we've got to learn how to collaborate with each other and also how to compete. Because men, you all do it all the time. And you do it well, right? I have this guy on my team uh, who joined my team. He's a rock star. And we were at a golf tournament pre-COVID. And I overheard another man come up to him saying, hey, I heard you left this company to join Cox and you're now on NECA's team. Talk to me about that position you used to have because I'm thinking of going for it. As a matter of fact, I want to crush it. Tell me what you did while you were there and who I need to talk to to get this job. Unbeknownst to this guy on my team, he didn't know I was paying attention to this conversation. I was totally eavesdropping Andy on what they were talking about. But it really struck, no, seriously, like it really struck me like, they talked about, he talked about salary. He talked about compensation. He gave him the lowdown. And I'm looking at this like, wow. And the other gentleman walked away feeling really empowered. And I told him, I said, I don't know how many times I've experienced that in my career as a woman. Right. And this was, by the way, it was at a golf tournament. So this is open air, like, you know, blue sky. It wasn't like in some conference room where they were having a hushed tone conversation. No. Right. They were collaborating in that moment. Now, here's what this guy on my team told me as well. He said, oh, I used to work with this guy prior to this job in another context, and we would fight like crazy. I'm like, really? He's like, yeah. I said, so then why did you give him all this information? He's like, well, you know, if he got into the job, he might be of use to me. Why not? These are the sorts of um, behaviors, Andy, that I think we women, we can stand to benefit from and by co-opting that behavior. Compete and collaborate. Honey, you know I can talk. Let, let, let's keep going. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. I love it. We're going to dive. I was like, I got so much more for you. But, folks, we're going to take a commercial break. So, hey, if you're a social media junkie, don't forget to follow TF7 Radio on your favorite social media platform. Follow us on Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram at searching at TF7 Radio. And you'll be connected to the extended TF7 family on your favorite social media platform. For inquiries regarding sponsoring the show or suggestions for topics or guests, please email George directly at george.redis at tf7radio.com. That's george.redis 
at TF7. That's with the number seven, folks, radio.com. We're going to pause for some quick messages from our sponsors, then we'll be right back with the Vice President of Government and Public Affairs at Cox Communications, Neka Chiazor. So whatever you do, don't go away. You're listening to Task Force 7 Radio, the voice of cybersecurity. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. As CISOs manage known malware attacks, they also contend with the unknown unknowns. With 24-7 hacker innovation, where do CISOs place their next security investment bet? Find the answer with Signet. With forums and public and private partnership dinners in Toronto, London, Singapore, Tokyo, and across the U.S., Signet is a mission-focused, purpose-driven global community advancing the next generation of cybersecurity solutions. As an entrepreneurial ecosystem super connector, Signet brings innovators, top cybersecurity professionals, solution providers, investors, and government executives into a collaborative alliance. Join Signet's global community to empower your organization and the industry to defeat hackers with cybersecurity's next generation of innovation. Learn more at security-innovation.org or Google Sinet, S-I-N-E-T. In today's interconnected world, digital transformation is taking us on a journey towards exciting new ways to work, live, and communicate. In business, staying out in front of the competition means pushing the boundaries of the status quo and exploring the possibilities of the future. However, pushing forward into this fast-changing digital landscape brings a new level of uncertainty and risk that must be measured, understood, and managed. By delivering state-of-the-art cyber risk analytics, X-Analytics is setting the standard to bring business clarity to the complex cyber threats organizations face each and every day. When it comes to understanding your financial exposure to cyber risk, trust what the global cyber insurance industry and Fortune 500 companies trust. Trust X-Analytics to guide you through the uncertainty into cyber risk clarity. For more information about X-Analytics, visit our website today at x-analytics.com. That's x-analytics.com. X-Analytics, setting the standard in the enterprise cyber risk management. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You're listening to Task Force 7 Radio with George Redis. If you'd like to find out more about our program, please visit the website at taskforce7radio.com. Again, that's taskforce7 with the number 7, radio.com. Now, back to this week's show. Here again is your host, George Redis. Welcome back to Task Force 7 Radio, the voice of cybersecurity. We're back with Vice President, Government and Public Affairs at Cox Communications, Neka Chiazor. Neka, you've been in the game for a little bit, right? You, you know, we were at Verizon together. You were just crushing it in, in the public policy space. And now you're over at Cox Communications doing the same. And there's had to have been like a major evolution from what we were working on back then to what you're, you're doing now. Like what's been the biggest evolution you've seen in telecom and public policy? 
Wow. Um, Andy, that's a huge question. And can I just say that back then when we were both at Verizon, you were crushing it mega as well, right? When I when I think back to those good days, I'm not going to say good old days because we are not, <laughs> not becoming old in my life. <laughs> but when I think back to that, I remember, you know, back then we were working on this virus called Stuxnet. 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 Do you remember Stuxnet? I do. And... The, the evolution that I've seen now, like Stuxnet was 2010, we're now in 2021. Stuxnet was the 2010 virus, coronavirus was the 2020 virus. And when I think about it from a telecom perspective, we, you know, you know this better than anyone, had so many controls and measures in place from a business continuity planning perspective to deal with cybersecurity viruses like a Stuxnet to even deal with some elements of a pandemic virus, right? Um, I remember you and I, we would talk often about best practices. The regulators had uh, some recommendations and we would work on how do we implement it. But one of the evolutions I saw last year um, was going from us as an industry looking at the health of the network and how to protect our networks from viruses to the health of people and how to protect people from the coronavirus. And then we, we've also now started going into how do we protect employees, our industry from hate virus, right? And I call it a hate virus, a hate virus, um, the virus that comes at times from those who do not feel included, right? How do we start to ensure safety in that context? And so one of the terms that I've learned and I've start, started to study and talk about deals with psychological safety. We talk a lot about network safety. Let's talk a bit in our industry about taking these practices that we're so great at regarding health of the network and applying it to health of the people that run the network in a holistic way. So does that, uh, and if it doesn't make sense, look, I, I'm look, counting I, the check. I, I love how you're bringing those worlds together, right? If you think about like, like premium on the health of the network, health of the physical safety of our employees, and then, oh, by the way, there's some HR wellness stuff over here. Yes. Right. And now it's, okay, physical safety is important, but everyone's at home. So we're not <laughs> focused on that as much because we're not in the office, right? You're not traveling on work time, okay. right? But but you're in front of a video conference on your screen all day and you're consuming information differently, your stressors are up, you're dealing with family issues. And so now the, you're right, the premium is, all right, we can run the network a little hotter, right? Because of financial and everything else, right? But we've got to make sure our people ru aren't running hot now too. Exactly, look, you just hit it. We have to make sure our people are not running hot too. We have to look at our people, not just in terms of, hey, their susceptibility, to a coronavirus, but there's susceptibility to some of the negative viruses that are out there right now because we've all been living in this socially distant, um, semi-quarantined condition, right? So if I even think from a security perspective, uh, dating myself going back to uh, September 11, there were some elements of security there that I'm saying to myself, we can apply to ensuring the psychological safety of people today. So in communications, as you know, right, uh, when you have these mesh networks 
anytime you have you have an element of the network that is isolated, right? In a in a terror cell uh, situation, that isolated cell can easily become radicalized, right? Remember this? Because I know you remember this. Yep. So let's bring it now to today. We have so many of us that have been working in isolation, right? We have to be sure that we are mindful of our employees that have been working remotely, our employees that might have um, have lost loved ones, have lost friends, even just the sense of loss of not being able to work the way we used to work or to run the networks the way we used to run the networks. We have to ensure that we are not inadvertently radicalizing people um, with the coronavirus by doing certain things that we know how to do already in the cyber context. If we're talking about a cyber virus, what would we talk about, Andy? We would talk about, well, we need to govern. We need to identify and manage security risks. Same thing applies, right, to mental security, psychological security, and safety. We need to govern and identify and manage our people. Ask the wellness question. How are you feeling today? These are the things we need to get to. In the cyber world, we would talk about protect, implementing controls to reduce risks. We need to do the same thing today for the health of our people. What controls are we putting in place to ensure people feel included at this time? What controls are we putting in place to ensure that leaders are appropriately engaging with their employees? Think about in the cyber context, detect, right? That's that's one big one. And I know, I know your company is all about that, <laughs> right? Think about it. Detecting and understanding a, a cyber event. Well, let's do the same thing when it applies to the health of the people that run our network. How are we detecting and responding to incidents that are happening right now? that might be causing triggers in their lives and they're bringing it into the workplace. And then last but not least, respond, right? How do we now, as custodians of technology, bring that best-in-class response that we're all known for, like we are known for it, right? In our industry, we don't run from a crisis, we run to a crisis. How do we take that same discipline and practice and apply it to our very own employees who might be suffering in their individual crises right now, again, because of being uh, socially distant for a prolonged period of time. So I want to go back to the question of how you are feeling, right? I, that's actually something I've done recently where I, I noticed I would ask everybody, you get on a call and you go, how you doing? And you get, oh, I'm good, you know, living the dream or whatever you get. Right. Mm -hmm. And there, there was always cues in the answers would tell me, you know, how people were feeling, but I was never asking them, how are you feeling? <laughs> right. So I started to ask and I switched the question around like, how are you feeling? And I'm getting completely different answers. Mm -hmm. And the conversation has shifted. And from a, as a, from a leader standpoint, man, it, I'm, even though I'm spending more time answering and having the conversation around that question, it's worth it. And man, I'm learning so much more. It's huge. It, it's huge. And, and so I think people feeling like you're caring. So I, I want, I'd love to get your take because you lead, you know, large teams also, right? So like, what are you doing during this time, you know, with your employees that's been, uh, so been successful? Well, one of the things, and that's a great question. One of the things, Andy, that I'm doing that I've been doing since um, COVID-19 broke is I call it wellness check-ins. And 
And so at first I started with, how are you feeling? And I've evolved the question now to give me a word that describes how you're feeling right now. And I encourage my folks when I'm leading these teams to put it in the chat because of course we're on a Zoom session, right? And at the beginning, like, so I'll say back in May, the response, the, the, the word cloud was um, scared, anxious, fearful, right? By the time we were getting to uh, June, July, so now think like post the George Floyd tragedy, the word was angry. Coming down towards the fall, the word changed to grateful. I got more people saying that they felt grateful just one, to be alive, to have survived the pandemic, to still have a job. Um, and so that's, that's how I've morphed it now, to give me a word that describes how you're feeling. And then leaving it open to folks to unpack it. For some who don't want to type, because I've learned too that people have different communication styles, right? Some people prefer writing. Some people, a picture is worth a thousand words. I now go to emojis. Give me a word or put in an emoji that describes how you're feeling. And we have like the five set emojis. And that has been awesome because people I've, I've learned now, at least, you know, the crew that I'm leading are more apt to put in an emoji than they are to type in an actual word. Because one word, as someone once explained to me, you know, she said, you're, I've got so many emotions running right now. I can't even pick a word. I can give you a dictionary. I'm like, okay. But an emoji is something that folks can rally around. So that's what I've been doing. And then following up with one-on-ones, right? Um, encouraging those who are really like in a really high space to reach out to those that might not be in, a, in such a high space at this time. That's how I've been rolling with it. And, Man, I love it. I'm definitely, my team's going to hate me because I'm going to be like, what emoji are you today? What emoji are you today? <laughs> I'm going to start hitting them with, what emoji are you today? <laughs> I'll have to start making t-shirts and sending all of them. And say, right, what is the, this is the team emoji for the week. <laughs> I love it. So, so you brought up something really interesting. That I, it made me think back to 9-11, right? And when we, you know, the images of the planes going into the towers over and over and over again on TV, I think to the point where we started to, you know, as a country, I think stop showing it at the level of frequency, right? I have concerns that we are in the same situation, if not, you know, to some extent more drastic now in that because of the duration of how the pandemic is carried on, that the, the constant communication around the pandemic uh, for folks and how because they're, they're at home and not doing other things and they're in front of devices, right? That there's a long, long-standing impact to that constant communication. Like, what, what is your take on the impact of the level of reporting and communication and check-in around how people are doing around um, the pandemic? That, you know, it, you raise a really good point. I, I think, you know, one of the things that we've done, and again, we are, custodians of communications is our networks, our technology has risen to the occasion and content has risen to the occasion as well. And so what I hear from folks all over is Zoom fatigue. Wow, I feel overwhelmed by just getting on a, yet another Zoom or team session um, and receiving data. Data fatigue, right? 
I think also you raised a really good point, and I love the way you described it, Andy. You said, you know, especially since people are at home working. And I talk often, especially to female leaders about this. We're no longer working from home. We're at home working, which means we are with our loved ones, with our families, or by ourselves, and the home is the base, and everything else is an interruption. So these, this constant communication is not just affecting our employees, our people, it's affecting families as well, right? It's, it's affecting, it, it used to be the case, for example, where, okay, uh, we would have a conversation in the office and on the ride home, you would get out any pent up frustration that may have come from a, you know, a meeting gone wrong in the car. But today you're at home, right? So where does that frustration yeah. go? My step um, count is definitely lower, NECA. I go from the bedroom to the fridge to the office, and then boom, you're back right at it, right? I go <laughs> so, from the bedroom to the fridge because my bedroom <laughs> is my office. <laughs> yeah. So I, I think the communication, we now have to be mindful of what we're communicating. And that's why, Andy, um, at Cox, we started this show that I'm hosting called In Good Company because we wanted to be able to give our communities something positive to see on television um, during right, this interesting situation that we all find ourselves in. We wanted to be able to show who are we in good company with right now? Let's not forget the good that's going on in society today and how people are actually pulling through, rooting for one another, right? Those are the sorts of things that we try and highlight um, on In Good Company as our own, you know, humble attempt at not providing folks with yet another communication piece that they need to look at, but something uplifting. So uh, in doing a little bit of research on your show, because, you know, like, uh, you know, I'm begging you to come on over here, right, every day. I'm like, come on, Nick, get me on the show. But one thing that you do is you say, bring it out the good so we can all become great. And I love that. Um, where are you looking to take the show this next season? So this next season, I'm looking to take the show with Andy Bonilo because you're coming on, right? Like, love it. You know that. Do I need to speak to your agent? Like, who are you? <laughs> I'm totally there. <laughs> totally there. So we're we're this is what we're doing for season two. So for season two, it's about the transition. This year, we're going to focus on the transition, knowing that. There's so many transitions that are taking place in our communities right now. Think about the transition. Uh, we've had, you know, a federal government transition that's still underway. We are experiencing right now transitioning from a coronavirus world to a vaccinated world, right? We've got the vaccines. There's the transition of people going back to work. Um, there's the transition of people maybe starting work for the first time. Uh, we have kids now that are going to be graduating, maybe from elementary school or from middle school or high school. So this season is all about these big transitions that are going to happen this year. How are we handling these transitions? And what can we learn from one another, right? With these transitions, think about the transition the economy is about to make into $1.9 trillion. Like that's a huge transition. Um, Right. How, how are we going to handle that as a community? That's what season two in good company is all about. 
Well, I can't wait to be a part of it. So before before we go on 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 break, I, you know, we talk a, we talked a little bit about business continuity planning, and you know, I can't help but ask about pe- people companies now having to think about social unrest at the frequency that we're experiencing it in the last say eighteen months, mm-hmm. um, where you know, the physical side of, of business continuity planning was a lot different before hurricane, earthquake, natural disaster. Um, but, but social unrest is like jump to the top almost in some areas. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, what are you, what are you seeing doing, you know, um, as part of that planning cycle um, related to what's happened in the world from a social perspective? That man, that you are asking the big questions today. Social unrest is, I would say this, the way we are handling it at Cox, we have, you know, proactive steps and reactive steps. From a proactive stance, and I think I've shared this with you already, um, at Cox, one of the behaviors that all of us are asked to take is champion inclusion. And what does that mean? It means embracing transparency, respecting differences, and valuing other voices. And so our belief is that if we champion inclusion um, as part of the way we show up at work, right, we might be in a better position to be able to ensure the continuity of our business for the next generation. Full disclosure, Cox is a family-owned business. It's been in business for 122 years. It was around uh, during the Spanish flu. It's still around today. And our call to arms is building a better future for the next generation. And part of that we believe is by being proactive and by being proactive championing inclusion to help inform business continuity. On the reactive side, we look at social unrest as we do any other risk, right? So we do the same thing, similar to what we we talked about before about cyber. We govern for indicators, right? We track, okay, where are the major marches or movements going to occur? right? What should we expect? How, what is the perimeter regarding um, our employees, right? Uh, What guidance do we want to give our employees regarding their safety, safety practices as it pertains to social unrest? And so we, we recognize now that, again, not just because of the pandemic, but we just happen to be at a time um, in America where there are more people that are taking to the streets to exercise you know, their rights and to make their voices heard. And at times that could have an unintended impact on business. Think about you know, um, stores that might have their windows shattered. Think about what happened at the Capitol. So as a business continuity matter, we're taking steps by doing what? Again, monitoring, detecting the situation, giving our employees guidance regarding their safety. And, and those are some things that we're looking at now with the hopes that again, um, as we continue to evangelize, and that's my word, the importance of being a more inclusive society and community, maybe the rationale behind a lot of these unrest that we've seen, be it January 6th or May or whatever, maybe that will start to come down. 
Man, I love your perspective. All right, all right folks, we got to take another short break to hear from our sponsors, but don't go away. We'll be right back with more from our special guest, Vice President of Government and Public Affairs at Cox Communications, Neka Chiazor. You're listening to Task Force 7 Radio, the voice of cybersecurity. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. As CISOs manage known malware attacks, they also contend with the unknown unknowns. With 24-7 hacker innovation, where do CISOs place their next security investment bet? Find the answer with Signet. With forums and public and private partnership dinners in Toronto, London, Singapore, Tokyo, and across the U.S., Signet is a mission-focused, purpose-driven global community advancing the next generation of cybersecurity solutions. As an entrepreneurial ecosystem super connector, Signet brings innovators, top cybersecurity professionals, solution providers, investors, and government executives into a collaborative alliance. Join Signet's global community to empower your organization and the industry to defeat hackers with cybersecurity's next generation of innovation. Learn more at security-innovation.org or Google Sinet, S-I-N-E-T. In today's interconnected world, digital transformation is taking us on a journey towards exciting new ways to work, live, and communicate. In business, staying out in front of the competition means pushing the boundaries of the status quo and exploring the possibilities of the future. However, pushing forward into this fast-changing digital landscape brings a new level of uncertainty and risk that must be measured, understood, and managed. By delivering state-of-the-art cyber risk analytics, X-Analytics is setting the standard to bring business clarity to the complex cyber threats organizations face each and every day. When it comes to understanding your financial exposure to cyber risk, trust what the global cyber insurance industry and Fortune 500 companies trust. Trust X-Analytics to guide you through the uncertainty into cyber risk clarity. For more information about X-Analytics, visit our website today at x-analytics.com. That's x-analytics.com. X-Analytics, setting the standard in the enterprise cyber risk management. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You're listening to Task Force 7 Radio with George Redis. If you'd like to find out more about our program, please visit the website at taskforce7radio.com. Again, that's taskforce7 with the number 7, radio.com. Now, back to this week's show. Here again is your host, George Redis. Welcome back to Task Force 7 Radio, the voice of cybersecurity. We're back with Vice President of Government and Public Affairs at Cox Communications, Neka Chiazor. What's up, man? That's just a fun name. It's just a fun name to say on the radio. <laughs> Chiazor. It's so cool. Man, uh, I wish I had, wish my ancestors will love you. Trust me. They love <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Tell them I said what's up. So, look. So, you know, I'm loving our conversation, but I, I got to ask you a question because it, I, I'm really curious to get your perspective. It, 
with everything going on in society, right? How, how do we transition as a society to being more inclusive? Mm. Well, I got to tell you, that is the, there's so many people that are asking that question right now, um, Andy. And I believe that question is going to, the answer to the question will continue to evolve as we evolve as people. But I think in terms of transitioning to inclusion, when I look at it, when we look at it at Cox, when I look at it in, on the boards that I serve, my North Star there, there, there it's a three-pronged North Star. There is ever such a thing. But it's really about how do we embrace transparency? So that's one. And when we talk about embracing transparency, it, it is not just being transparent and you know, feeling vulnerable, vulnerable enough to show people who you are and what makes you tick and what you bring to work, but also being able to wrap your arms around others when they show you who they are. And that showing um, is beyond the obvious dimensions of like race, gender, you know, who you love. It could be as simple as the way you think. So when we you know, in our world, in the cyber world, when we talk about neurodiverse individuals, right? Think about that. Think about people who might be on the Asperger, autism side of the spectrum. And the research now that shows, right, the contributions, the significant contributions that folks in that space can bring to cybersecurity. There's a lady, uh, a PhD researcher, her name is Diana Burley, She's at American University and she's done extensive research and continues to champion the importance of including, embracing the transparency of people who are neurodiverse, right? In the past, we would call them folks with individuals with disabilities. Let's just be clear, right? There is that. But looking now at some of these folks as, well, this is neurodiversity that might be helpful to us. So as we, as we try and transition to inclusivity, We've got to think about embracing transparency and respecting differences. I think one of the big ahas that we all received uh, from the coronavirus pandemic is the difference in approach to work, the difference in approach to communication, the difference in you know, how people perceive uh, certain information that was shared with them regarding safety, masks, et cetera. For us to transition to inclusivity, we've got to be sure as a society, as a civil society, that we continue to respect those differences, right? Because the differences are going to be there. I mean, you know, you might like uh, uh, Rice Krispies. I might like Cheerios. We should just be able to just respect that. And then last but not least, I think as we transition to inclusivity, And I I dare say that this might be one of the most important aspects of inclusion. It's valuing other voices, right? Because in that valuing other voices, that's where the learning comes. It's me being able to sit down and listen to you and really listen to understand where you're coming from versus listening to respond. And so my hope and belief for America is that as we're coming, as we're all getting vaccinated, getting the jab for those who want to embrace that, um, that we can respect those who might not, right? But most of all, that we can start to value each other's voices. That's my for our country. Man, I love it. You know, it's interesting, you know, um, I do feel like a lot of times 
people are very quick to just want to get their point out there and then shut the conversation down. And they're not open to that bi-directional debate. And it almost seems at times that they're like not even interested in actually changing their mind or changing their perspective. Um, You know, I know you talk a little bit about you can change your life at any time. Mm -hmm. Tell me kind of how you approach, you know, that, that thought process. That is a great question. You know, it, it, Again, when I when I talk about you can change your life at any time, I talk about it from a space of empowerment, right? So I believe that we are all brought on this earth, not just for a purpose, but for purposes. I view people as like we're all different types of Swiss army knives. Things come out, right? Great gifts. And at times, there might be a reluctance to change. I know I'll speak for myself. When I have been reluctant to change, it's because... I tend to think about, well, what will X think about me? Or how will I be perceived if I do Y in the workspace? But the fact of the matter is, I've got the power to change who I want to be and the way I want to show up at any point in time. That's on me. I can do it. I can decide, you know what? I want to change the way I interact with my children. I want to be more communicative to them. I can change that any point in time. I have the power within me. I'm empowered to say, you know what? Um, Maybe uh, someday in the future, I might want to become Andy Bonillo and be a chief cybersecurity officer. Like I have the power to change the trajectory of my life, I believe at any point in time, but it all starts with going back to again, Three hope, uh, three hope outages, three ways out of a hope outage. One, dropping that superhero cape and thinking that I need to live up for other people instead of living up to who I'm called to be, which leads me to two, really understanding what my North Star is and following it. And three, finding people that I could, can collaborate with or compete with, right, to be that change that I want to be in my life at any point in time. Well, Neka, I... I really appreciate you coming on the show today. Thank you, Andy. Fantastic. I'm looking right. forward to having you on In Good Company. Just saying, let, let me know who your agent is. I'll have my people reach out to your people. Right? Do I need to call Justin Timberlake? Who do I need to call? Like Selena? You let me know. I'm only doing the pay. I'm only doing the show if JT shows up or you get Pharrell. <laughs> I know we we're gonna do. We were gonna do something with Pharrell like a year ago. What happened to that? We got to get Pharrell back. Right, we gotta get football back. We have to do that. We have right, to. Cool. <laughs> I appreciate it. All right, folks, it's time for us to bounce up and out of here. But before I go, I want to remind our listeners to get, to visit a recap of tonight's show. Go to the Cybersecurity Hub and get other up to date cybersecurity breaking news at www.cshub.com. That's the Cybersecurity Hub at cshub.com. Thanks for tuning in. You're listening to Task Force Seven Radio, the voice of cybersecurity. Stay frosty out there. Thank you for tuning in this week to Task Force 7 Radio. To learn more about Task Force 7 Radio, please visit our website at taskforce7radio.com. Be sure to join your host, George Reedus, again next Monday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel.